God that sounds so nice to see it again now. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, ever Father. And you are worthy of all praise. To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Again now with all your hearts. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Oh, you are awesome in this place. Father, you are worthy of all Till our lives we raise, you are awesome in this place, mighty God. Amen. Good morning. God bless everyone. It's good to have you here with us. Man, we've got you all roped off and corralled in very nicely, so now you've got nowhere to go. Amen. You're just going to have to praise and worship with us. That's all right. Amen. Why don't we just jump right in and give it our all, man, and give God the glory that He deserves. You with me? Amen. Let's sing that song together, How Great Is Our God, The Splendor of a King. The splendor of a king, oh, the majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. And trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God, oh sing me how great is our God. And oh see how great, how great is our God. Hard to see 
song I stand in all of you KFF You are beautiful beyond description to marvelous words wonderful for comprehension like nothing ever seen of your love You are beautiful beyond description Majesty enthroned above Oh I stand I stand in all of you I stand I stand Oh 
and grass, your infinite wisdom. Who can fathom the depths of your love? You are beautiful, description, oh majesty. Continue in that mode of worship. We're going to change the order of our service and take a few 
these special needs that I have before me and make them known to you so that we can all be praying for these uh, folks. First and foremost, we want to keep in mind there's several families that are not with us, uh, maybe having to stream or various reasons. Amen. And I know their heart's desire would to be in church with us, praising God. Amen. And so our hearts go out to them. Man, we just pray that uh, you would receive a special blessing, friends, wherever you are. If you're streaming, God bless you. Amen. May the Holy Spirit just come into your home and anoint you and fill you with His Spirit. Amen. Man, want to remember uh, Brother Stephen and Sister Sarah. They're traveling. They're in Virginia at this time. Keep them in your prayers. Amen. If you would continue to remember Sister Karen in prayer, she's dealing with a blood pressure issue. So let's keep her in your prayers. Remember Brother Anwar and his family at this time. I know it must be difficult for Brother Anwar not being able to be there at the time of his mother's passing. My heart goes out to him and his family. We certainly miss them and are praying for them. Amen. And I know you'll do the same. Remember my Aunt Sherry in prayer? Um, when she had her fell, you know, her fall a few weeks back. I'm sure she's still dealing with pain. So if you would please remember her in prayer. And also, if you would remember Sister Arwen Cockman in prayer. Uh, she has an upcoming surgery uh, tomorrow. If you would be remembering her in prayer, amen. Brother Mark, would you come forward at this time and take these needs before the Lord for us? Amen. If you have unspoken prayer requests, you can make them known at this time by uplifted hands. Amen, and we're going to pray for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful, Lord, to be in your house today, Lord. And Lord, the best I can explain it, Lord, it's like a, a refreshing from your presence. To feel your Holy Spirit again, Lord, after so many months, it's, it's a precious thing. Lord, thank you that we could recognize that and appreciate it, Lord, because if we just come and say, oh, we're, it's our obligation or it's our duty, then, then we, Lord, wouldn't recognize that. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit within us can respond to, to your spirit, Lord, and, and, and be in agreement that it is you, Lord, and how we appreciate that, Lord. We cherish it. it it's, it's a thing that the world does not give, Lord. And we only find these things, Lord, that comes from you. Lord Jesus, know our hearts, Lord, how we appreciate that. We thank you, Lord Jesus, we pray. Lord, there are many needs that was made this, these, this morning, Lord. We pray that you will grant each one. Remember, Sister Karen, Lord, touch her, that her blood pressure will return to normal, Lord. Brother Stephen, Sister Sarah, bless them, Lord, as they minister in Virginia. We pray, Lord, for Brother Anwar and his family, that you will comfort them, Lord. It's Father, unless we are in their shoes, we don't know how it is to lose a loved one and not be able to, Lord, be there to, to uh, honor and respect them, Lord. And we pray that you will comfort them at this time, Father. We pray for Sister uh, Holly, Lord, that you will touch her, Lord, from her falling. And pray you touch and strengthen her, Lord. And grant each of these other requests that was made mention, Lord. Be with the preacher this morning, Lord. I pray you'll bring... Your word, Lord, and I pray that it will search our hearts, O God, that we will empty ourselves up, the things of the world that you can fill us, Father. 
Grant it, Lord, we pray. Forgive us of all our sins, Lord. We thank you for your blood that cleanses us, Lord. And we, even though we die daily, Lord, we live in you, Lord, so that we're, we're thankful, Lord, that, that we're alive in you. Thanks again, Lord, for your, your presence and for your spirit, Lord. For he cherishes highly above everything else that we, that's in this world, Father. We thank you and we give you glory and praise, Lord. I pray everything that's done, Lord, you will praise, receive glory and praise. We pray and ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mark. You can have your seats. I'm going to ask Brother Andy to come forward at this time. He has a few things that he would like to mention, a few guidelines to set forth and appeasing the uh, restrictions that we have to deal with at this time. So if you'll just listen attentively to Brother God bless you. It's good to see all your faces. It's good to be here this morning. So just a few friendly reminders. Obviously, things are very different. By God's grace, it won't stay this way. We're all happy to be here. Can we agree about that? So we want to stay in this sanctuary, correct? We want to be able to gather together. So as deacons and Brother Barry and a whole bunch of other leadership team here at HPT, we got together and we talked about how we can make this possible. So we came up with these regulations, if you will. And I want to thank each and every one of you. I moved a few of you. Thank you for moving. I know we're not in regular seats. The hurdles are over there. That's really weird. Um, but thank you. And we're going to continue to do that. So we, we stand together with Brother Barry. This isn't just Brother Barry's regulations. This is, this is all of ours. This is so we can get together and have church because that's what we want to do. So just a couple of things. You see the rows that are, are roped off. We're going to continue to do that. The biggest thing that we fail on, and I think every one of us know what that is, myself included, is the social distancing, the six feet apart. So we're going to be very vigilant as deacons to make sure that that happens. If you think you can't do that, then I would suggest get in your car and go. And I'm not, I mean, I, seriously, it could be worse. I know there's deacons out there that measure skirts and heels. We're just going to measure distance, okay? So everybody's got to play their part. Parents with the little ones, that, that'll, you're going to have to, it's going to fall on you. You've got to remind them. Teenagers, you might, you're going to be asked if you're too close, Okay. Also, the biggest thing, too, is you've got to remember, it's not just for us. It's for the people out in the community. They're watching us. They're watching everything we do. And we want to keep a testimony here that we're doing things right because we want to have church. When we exit, you guys are going to have, we're going to exit differently, okay? This side is going to go out that door. There will be a deacon there, and they'll direct you. Now, you can stay in service. You don't have to leave right after service. But if you're you know, caught in spirit and you want to worship and, and pray, that's fine. But if you're leaving, if you're on this side, please go out that door. This side, you're going to go out that door. Middle row, you're going to go out the front. Okay? Again, social distancing. hate that word. Um, I think that's it. There's signs on the, the doors. Please try to keep that in remembrance. I know, guys, I know. Two people in the bathroom, two people in the nursery, you have to wait. There is, you can use the fellowship hall. Just make the same rules apply. Two people in there. Um, kitchen is off limits. Don't go in there. I think that's it. So I just want to thank Brother Barry. Uh, 
for being very mindful, being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because I know this was not something he's like, yeah, let's just have church. You know, I, he really, this is stressful for everybody. So I just want to thank Brother Barry and pray for your pastor. Pray for his wife because this is not an easy time. You know, we want to keep continue to have church. But we as a church have a part to play. We're a family. We're a team. Let's do this, okay? Thank you. God bless. Man, we appreciate Brother Andy and the deacons and all the work they do. Man, and also Brother Barry and all of them teaming up to make a path through this this time. Amen. We're going to have a few specials. Uh, Brother Keith has a special for us starting out here, so I'm going to turn it over to him. After Brother Keith, we have uh, Lily and Emma Harwell will be singing. If uh, you will be making your way after Brother Keith's song over to the side here, um, that will expedite things and we won't have to wait for you to walk around the perimeter of the building. So uh, if you just be hastily making your way over there at the appropriate time, amen. Then we'll have Brother Mitchell up to sing for us, amen. We appreciate our specialists, amen. They do such a good job and add so much to the service here. So, amen. God bless them. With everybody here, uh, see your, your faces and just be able to get together and, and worship together in that presence. Uh, I'm just so excited. I just love Him. And, you know, it's, it's times like this that I'm certainly glad I can say that I know Him. Your wandering 
feel like I've been in the presence of angels with all this harmony. Such a beautiful song. Amen. Thank you so much for that special. We're going to have Brother Mitchell sing another one just before our pastor comes. And we're not going to take up a offering as we usually do. They've changed things up a little. Um, be mindful there is a, a offering box for your tithes and offerings. Uh, you can place them back there or if you'd like to go online and make a a transaction there you can certainly do so just remember the you know your tithes and offerings go to promote God's kingdom amen we support ministries around the world world and there's many works going on amen so we just want to help out where we can amen brother mitchell
morning. I wonder could we sing a change the order of things and let's sing a little chorus that the angel, like Brother Branham, to sing, only believe that all things are possible. Let's sing that this morning as we just approach him in prayer. And uh, we are a people this morning who definitely should join our hearts together and uh, give thanks for the opportunity to be back here again in the house of the Lord. And uh, I'm, I'm so uh, honored to be able to stand here before you this morning and so glad to be able to see all of you. Ask now that his presence would come and minister to every heart. Only be
Jesus is here. Lord, how we depend upon that ever-present reality, Lord, your presence among us. How we depend upon it, Lord, and how we are grateful this morning. Thankful, Lord Jesus, that you have made a way for us to return back again. We feel like those, Lord, that have been in the Old Testament, Lord, that wandered in different times, Lord, times, Lord, when they were in exile, and then they came back together with rejoicing. And Father God, I pray that you would just meet with us today in a special way, and Lord, just speak to every heart and every soul. We just want to give you thanks and praise, Lord, for your hand of protection over each, each one, Lord, each family. And now, God, we just commit the day into your hands and pray that you would meet with us in a special and a personal way. And that, Lord, you would just break the bread of life among us. Father, we just commend our ways to you and pray, Father, that you would forgive us of anything that might be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just pour yourself out upon the Word and make it real, make it live today, Lord. We just are are so dependent on you in, in many different ways, Lord. And we are a people, Lord, who have no knowledge of the future, but we have knowledge of promises that you've given to us. And, Lord, you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. So, Lord, for this day and for the days that lay ahead, we place our hand in your hand. pray that you would be pleased to move among us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, musicians. We'll let you take your places there this morning, and we greet you all again in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, It's an honor to be here. Uh, It's unusual for you to be spread out in different places, but we're here, and we'll take it. Uh, We're we're grateful. Grateful for all the specials and all the work that's gone into making our uh, service possible today. appreciate Brother Andy speaking on behalf of the deacons and uh, the uh, brothers that have labored to get us to where we are today. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements here, and then I want to do a little slideshow presentation for you, and then we're going to uh, go into the Word this morning. We're also going to have a baptism at the end of service today. Uh, Sister Eliza McGarry is going to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of service, and so we're excited about that. We are so excited, as a matter of fact, that we have a gift for everybody who's 12 and under today. And at the end of service, when you go out, and don't be praying that the service ends early, But when you go out, uh, we have a gift uh, for you that's put together for all of you kids that are there. And parents, if you don't mind making sure that uh, each child gets one, uh, that would be really great uh, at the end of service. It'll be outside the door out here. Uh, We we are going to now, by God's grace, and like Brother Andy said, we're going to, uh, we've gently opened the door as we've been able, allowed to do, and uh, we'll continue to do this now and uh, for Wednesday night as well, so if you want to come along on Wednesday night, we'll uh, be certainly glad to have you uh, here, and this Wednesday night we'll have service here in the sanctuary, uh, and if we overflow, we'll just uh, go over into the fellowship hall and, and spill over into there. I want to thank all the ministers who uh, helped during the, uh, the time in ministering and services, and uh, it's been a blessing. We've had lots and lots of people uh, who have been streaming and lots of people uh, picking up from the archives and so forth, and uh, they've all expressed their appreciation for the uh, for the variety of ministry and and uh, you know the stability that it brought to them. And so we're thankful for for the ministry as well as for the uh, Jeremy and the technical crew that helped make all that happen. 
I'm also very thankful for our Sunday school teachers as well who jumped in and got things going online to minister to the kids. And uh, we have a special gift for them, not today. Sister Rachel Pritchard is not here, but uh, we have a special gift for them. And I uh, just want to say publicly that we do appreciate uh, their sacrifice and their labors uh, in order to keep the ministry to the children. I think that's really important. And I think it's very important. Uh, also, too, I've, I've recorded every amen that everybody sent me on my phone. I've got thousands of them, and I just so appreciated them and, and uh, your comments and interaction. But now that we're in the assembly here, you're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way. All right, and uh, I know, I know now that you are real ameners. Some of you gave uh, dozens and dozens of amens all through there, and I, you know, I never knew that you liked my ministry at all. You know, over all these years, I, never, I didn't think you cared anything for it at all. And now, all of a sudden, I realize, whoa, I have friends. I have friends. Uh, so uh, since you, you don't have your phone out and uh, I don't have mine with me either, you're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way and uh, send along those amens that they really help. It was really great to have uh, you know, that interaction and encouragement from the people because, like I say, if you could see, I don't have the picture. Uh, Lucas was going to get it for me. Uh, he took a picture of me ministering at home and uh, uh, just the, the, the contrast between what we see today and what that was like was quite different. And uh, again, you know, we were very thankful that we were able to do it, but uh, this is better. Amen. How many would agree this is better? Amen. Amen. Don't be shy now. Don't, don't hold back. Let me give you a little catch up here on some of our birthdays and anniversaries. Uh, May 18th was Sister Mary Ann Roy's birthday. Now, uh, I was surprised on May 28th when my birthday rolled around and I got a phone call at supper time from Sister Mary Ann. And she said, I had marked in my calendar that this is your birthday. And she said, I just wanted to call and wish you a happy birthday. She said, we're so thankful for our years at HBT. And uh, she said, I just wanted you to, uh, just, uh, to know that uh, we're thinking about you today. And I, I was just, uh, that was a message that she left. And uh, I haven't gotten, gotten back in touch with her yet because that's a little difficult. But I certainly am going to intend to do that. I certainly intend to do that. Uh, May 19th uh, was Danny and Caitlin's anniversary. They're not here today. They are here today. They're not here today. And uh, the male's anniversary as well on May 19th. They're not here, right? They're not here. May 20th, Trinity Powell's birthday. May 26th was Sister Tina Knobloch's birthday. God bless you, uh, Sister Tina. May 28th was the pastor's uh, birthday. And I'd like to say thank you to everybody who uh, acknowledged the birthday, uh, all the way from South Africa uh, and uh, all around in, in different places in the world. And I appreciate that and all your comments as well. Most of them were good, but we appreciate that. May 29th was Sister Karen's birthday. God bless you, Sister Karen. And on the 31st is the Stevens's anniversary today. Ta-da. Good to have you today. How many years? Twelve years. God bless you both. We appreciate you very much. And uh, Anastasia Mail's birthday also is today. So uh, we miss the, the males today. And everybody who's not with us but they're listening, we miss them, obviously. But uh, we're glad that they're able to connect that way. Good to have our visitors uh, here uh, today who happen to be in town. And uh, always uh, a delight to have you uh, visit with us. 
we uh, just want to give you a little uh, history here. So this is only two months old, but uh, this is uh, what we've all been ha- having to do over the last little while uh, in our uh, video broadcast. And one of the first things that I wanted to do was to draw the kids together at Easter time. And so this is where the, f- uh, the first Zoom meetings began, and we had all of our little kids uh, together and uh, talked a little bit about the Easter story there uh, right, uh, right just prior to Easter. And then, of course, uh, this idea, the whole world went to Zoom, and so this is a, a screenshot of the women's uh, meeting that got together with Sister Becky. And then, of course, not to be outdone, the men got together, and uh, we had a little... Uh, we had some sessions on Sunday night, which was nice, and had uh, some folks minister for us there. Uh, the kids started, wanted to be involved in this as well, and this is Isaac uh, getting ready for his Zoom meeting, and they had projects to do, and the fruit of the Spirit here is what he's getting ready to show. And uh, so the kids got together with Sister Rachel's class, and uh, so we have kids from Arizona. We have kids from uh, my grandkids up in the Washington area. And uh, we're able to come together and, and uh, be able to have Sunday school class. And showing off the fruits of the Spirit here, this is big stuff. Uh, this is important stuff here. And uh, we're thankful for them. Then uh, we had uh, some guest ministers. Uh, Brother Aaron ministered, Brother Steve ministered, different ones. And uh, Brother John. And uh, it was funny because Jeremy had, uh, had Steve, and, uh, Steve and I practice handing the service off to one another. So I'd have to look one way, and Steve would have to look the other way. And I'd be like, all right, Steve, you know, God bless you. And I have no idea whether that turned out right, but we were hoping that it would. But we had practices on how to do that, you know, and, and be able to hand it off. But we were grateful for, uh, for everyone who participated there. Uh, and the kids got into it. They enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, they were uh, ready for the time. It's one of my favorite pictures here of uh, Cohen all set to go and, and ready, for the, ready for the service. And uh, the school teachers, this is one of Sister Laura's notes that she wrote out for her kids there. And uh, she had the famous treasure hunt uh, that was uh, for her kids there. This is the inside of Brother Keith's truck. This is the cab of his truck. And I don't know, I mean, that looks pretty good. I mean, maybe we could take a trip together sometime here, Brother Keith. I mean, you know, with a, with a fridge and a microwave and a little bunk there and a monitor. My goodness, I mean, that's the way, if you're going to go, that's the way to go, I guess. And uh, this is how he uh, was able to tune in with us as well. Here's Brother Fulcher here and uh, uh, sitting and watching the men's meeting, I think it is, uh, in the uh, Sunday evening slot. And this is one of my favorite pictures here, Sister Cindy worshiping at home. And uh, I assume, Brother Bill, you took this picture? No. Wow. Isn't that something? But I was just really touched when I saw that picture, Sister Cindy, and just really blessed. And that was actually the first online, online service we had because that's the La Fontaines that are singing there. And so the very first Sunday that we had uh, service, uh, that's, that's when this was. And I was just so blessed uh, by that. Uh, we had the funeral for Sister Molly, and this is myself and Brother Aaron Honeycutt. We did the service uh, a couple of weeks ago and went up to where uh, Brother Luther uh, was buried, and, and uh, that's their family plot up there, and it was just it turned out to be a lovely day, and we were able to assist in the funeral uh, with Sister Molly. 
And uh, then, of course, we went to the outside, and uh, we did this for a couple of Sundays, and uh, it was nice just to be able to get together, and uh, it worked out surprisingly well. And uh, we're thankful for everybody that made that happen, and, and uh, glad to get together. It's amazing. We actually picked up some new congregants uh, as well, and uh, you never know who's listening. You never know who's listening, that's for sure. But... Uh, all of that uh, did not happen just, uh, you know, just by chance. All of it didn't happen just by, um, you know, casual thought. Uh, you know, we, we conferred and got together and, you know, put our hearts together and uh, just wanted to continue to minister to the congregation and just to continue to, uh, you know, make sure everybody was connected and everybody had resources and everybody had what they needed uh, during the time, and we're thankful for your support and your giving and for, uh, you know, the cooperation and patience that's required during times like this. Um, this, this is unusual. I mean, this is, not, this is not the way we normally do things. And to have it so quickly interrupt everything in the world, the whole world affected by this, uh, and, and to have come through it so well, uh, I'm, I'm very thankful. And that speaks to the maturity of the congregation uh, and the people to be able to weather the storm and then come through it on the other side, I think that's a wonderful thing. But I'm glad we're back. I'm glad we're back. I'm glad we're uh, able to gather uh, in this place again. And uh, the, the distancing and just using our common sense uh, will help us keep the doors open and be able to enjoy one another's uh, presence here. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible, if you don't mind, to the book of Nehemiah. And... Uh, <coughs> We'll take a reading out of chapter 8 here. Nehemiah chapter 8. And I'll title this this morning, Bring Out the Book. Nehemiah chapter 8. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man in the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and of women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated. We'll skip the handshake part, and, and uh, everybody can send best wishes to one another for now. And uh, we're going to invite you just to pull in just for a little bit. I'm not going to be long this morning. We have a baptism and uh, we are, we're excited about that. And uh, of course, anybody else that would like to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's never been a better time uh, to make that step for sure, make that commitment. I think that uh, all of us, and in starting this out, I just wanted to preface a little bit about the book of uh, the story of Nehemiah. And get you uh, to think back or think outside the, uh, the, the, the normal way of looking at things here. Just for a few moments here to get our, uh, get our thoughts together and all of our hearts together this morning. Uh, we, we know that Nehemiah was a, a special person called to do a special thing. And uh, he was in a, he was in a, a, a very uh, important position where he was before God began to deal with him. History tells us, and I'm finding out more and more interesting things about Nehemiah, but uh, history tells us that Nehemiah actually was a civil engineer. And uh, he was a person who had come up uh, through his years of education and so forth and ascended to this very important position to be in the cupbearer to the king. 
And uh, in, that, in those days, uh, someone being a cupbearer was uh, someone who had the ear of the king. He was someone who had great integrity because the king had to trust him. With every meal, the king had to trust his cupbearer. So he was a person who stood alongside the king. He tasted his food before every meal, made sure that nobody, uh, nobody was uh, you know, planning something here that the king was unaware of. He was a person, they say, who had as well, and and this is conjecture here, but uh, they say he's a person who had influence with the king so that he could have said certain things to the king and the king would have listened to him because of uh, the closeness and the respect that Nehemiah had. And so this is not a position that certainly that Nehemiah would have given up easily. It was not something that he would have just said, well, you know what, instead of going into work today, I think I'm going to go to Jerusalem and, you know, take on another project. This was something that he had prayed about for months before he actually said anything <clears throat> to the king. And his brother comes to him out of, uh, out of Jerusalem, and Nehemiah inquires and said, how, is, how are my people and how, are the, how is the city of my people? And uh, his brother says, well, you'd probably be better off if I didn't tell you. He said, the city is in ruins. It's in disarray. And he said, the walls are falling down and the gates are burned. And he said, there's just all kinds of problems that are there. <clears throat> and he begins to, to describe to Nehemiah the condition of the city. And then Nehemiah begins to pray. And he begins to wait on God. And all of a sudden, God begins to lay on his heart that he wants him to uh, go back to Jerusalem and begin the work of rebuilding the walls. Now, I need you to think about these walls in a way that's a little different than just physical walls. Because even though Nehemiah did go back and build physical walls, and they built them with the sword in their hand and their Bible in their other hand, and they restored the gates and they hung things up and they established things again uh, back in the city, walls in the Bible are symbolic of other things. And I think it's not a hard stretch for us to realize that uh, walls can be a good thing because they keep the enemy out. And they keep the congregation protected. And they keep things in order. And they give boundary, if you like. They give respect to the, uh, to the place that God has identified. Like Jerusalem, this is God's city. And God wanted a wall around that place. And he wanted to identify it as, as his own. The deterioration of the walls, the breakdown of the walls, represented, in a sense, a kind of disrespect or a disarray uh, for the things of God. But that was the problem in the first place. That's the reason they were out uh, in Babylon, was because of the breakdown of the whole system. And so uh, Nehemiah was there not only to rebuild a physical wall, but he was also there to restore the integrity of the name of God and the respect that's due the name of God. Uh, he was there to bring honor back to the city of God and the people of God and the book of God. Uh, remember this, that it's not good enough just to have a city and to have walls, uh, to have a place. They needed to have something uh, of purpose within those walls that made the effort all worth it. Isn't that right? So, I mean, listen, there's lots of other cities in history that have had walls built around them. But uh, it's important what happens within those walls. It's important that, that the people did what God designated was supposed to happen within those walls. And, and so Nehemiah's mission was not just to uh, build a wall and have a secure place where enemies couldn't get in. But now it was important for them to uh, be able to do the right thing within those walls and, and to restore everything that was meant to be done in the city of Jerusalem inside. I can say this, that uh, without really going into a whole lot of detail, I, I think it's evident in our country, especially today, especially today, I think it's evident that it would have been nice if, if some of those walls that used to be intact around our country and around our nation, if some of those walls were restored again. 
Probably a lot of people were wishing that some of those old walls were still in good shape. Because we find ourselves in a state of disarray and lawlessness. And we have a, uh, you know, a state of confusion out there. And it's scary. I mean, it's actually scary because sometimes you start to wonder, well, who's really in control? And where's all this going? And, you know, what's next? I mean, you, you, you think about all of the, all of the in, energy and anger that's been stored up over these last couple of months. And all of a sudden there's a tripwire that happens and bang. Uh, you know, we have great tumult in our, in our cities here. Well, let me tell you, that, that is not just a problem that developed in the last week here. Because one person got killed in the way that he did. That's not where that's coming from. This is coming from years of, of, of an attitude and years of, of disregard for God's Word. How many can say amen? This is coming from years of disobedience to God's, God's Holy Word and, and, and the boundaries and the principles and the, and the walls that God built this nation within. The walls that God built and everything that God put within it here, and, and, and when those walls get broken down, there's a disrespect or there's a disregard. There's a, uh, you know, a distancing ourselves from the things of God. And let me tell you something, even though God sent a prophet back in this last day, those walls never got successfully rebuilt back again because the nation itself turned its heart from God. And so try as he would, and travel as he did, and put the miles on that he did over those those years and the trips around the world, not even a prophet, a modern-day prophet, could restore the walls of decency and morality and ethics back up in the place whereby people could enjoy the presence of God and the safety of God. Let me tell you something. There's probably a lot of people now wondering, my goodness, wouldn't it be great to have some sense back in our government and sense back uh, in the order of things and have some... Common decency where people would treat each other uh, with respect and love. I mean, wouldn't it be great to have some of that back like the old days, like Grandma and Grandpa used to talk about? But we're living in another time, isn't that right? I'm so glad, folks. I am so glad. And the more I go on and the more I realize this, I'm so glad that God singled out a bride in this last day and put walls around her and said, I'm going to watch over her even though the rest of the nations may disregard me and they they might, uh, you know, take my word and cast it aside and they might take my principles and my promises and just leave them for other people. There's a people of God that are collected in the earth in the last day and I'm going to do everything in my power to protect them and watch over them and build walls around them that they might be protected from the onslaught of chaos that surrounds us. And the exit out of these walls, the exit out of this city, leads only to the marriage supper. It doesn't lead into tribulation. The exit leads into the marriage supper. When you think about how that now, I was listening to somebody this morning talking about how that years ago, uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago, back in the era of Brother Branham, not, and, and not just Brother Branham, we have many places where Brother Branham stood, and with the passion, all the passion he could muster, and he would speak to a nation that was, uh, you know, uh, dwindling or, or uh, um, just, you know, uh, using up uh, its grace and, and, and uh, the, the amount of grace that God had given to America and squandering that last bit of grace they had. And in 1957, he's looking at the nation and says, it's just sinned away its day of grace. It's sinned away its time. And he said, there's really, uh, you know, no hope for the nation that's left anymore, corporately speaking here. But, but it was not just Brother Branham in our time. It was not just him that spoke about the demise of our country here and the disregard of, of the moral standards that we used to have. 
There were, there were other people that warned. There were other people that, uh, you know, educators even, people that uh, were in institutions and, and resigned their positions uh, from universities and colleges because they saw the liberalism and the modernism and the immorality that was now not only allowed to come in, but actually encouraged to come in in a spirit of tolerance. And in those institutions, they began to change and uh, cut themselves adrift from the, from the moorings they had to things that were sensible and sound and pure and turned students into not only graduates, but good citizens as well. And a lot of those people in their, in their speeches and in their resignations, they left a word and said that this is not the direction, that, that happiness and success and, uh, and, and, and the way to build a better society is not found on the pages of, of pornographic magazines. And it's not uh, in, in wanton uh, immorality and, and uh, you know, a lack of standards. It's not found in that. But rather, the, the, the thing that builds character uh, among our young people and our young graduates is, is, is for them to have a sense of direction and a sense of purpose and to realize that there is a God that we should fear. And a God who has given us principles of life and happiness and holiness and so on. And we do well to pay heed to those things and abide by them. And there are people who stepped down from positions because they knew that where this was going was not in a good direction. And it needed to change. But I am thankful. I am thankful that God in His mercy has allowed us to be able to maintain a perspective that it seems to be becoming more solitary and more unusual all the time. To be able to understand and know that God's word is still true. And here comes a prophet along and his theme for his entire ministry is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the things that God blessed, he still blesses today. And the things that he hated and despised, he still hates and despises today. And the things that God will bless, he still will bless today. Because he's changed not. He's the same. And these principles work obviously the same way as they ever have. And so therefore I think it's very important for us to realize that, uh, you know, we are a part of a, uh, uh, we are, we are behind a wall that God constructed. We are behind a, uh, uh, you know, a, a fortification that God allowed to be in place in the last day when we would really need it. Because now what you're witnessing is a world that's falling apart. This is what a world looks like when it falls apart. When government leaders are so consumed with the next election and their own partisan ideas that they have no real sense of concern over what's really going on and what's really happening. And so people then tend to take things into their own hands and we come to where we are today. I'll tell you what, I'm glad I don't have only that to rest on. I'm glad I don't have that to look to for my security and my hope for the future. I'm glad that even if I'm not here, but my grandchildren are here, that they would follow in the principles of God and follow the precepts of God. Because let me tell you, that's the only place of safety. That's the only place of sense. It's not in stimulus payments. And it's not in the next election. And it's not in more or more less security for for the people of this nation. Let me tell you, it's not in that. It's in a relationship with Christ is the only place that you're safe. Amen. And we've said that and we've, we've taught that because that's what the Bible teaches and that's what a prophet taught in this last day. But, uh, you know, when it comes down to it and you see the world more realistically falling apart than it ever has, it just makes more sense to us now than it ever has. 
There's a, there's a timing. There's a, uh, there's a, a sense that we have that, uh, you know, that this is actually uh, possible for strong kingdoms and strong nations to crumble under the, under the influence of its own disobedience for God's word. That nations who still have strong armies are able to crumble under the weight of their own disobedience. I'm thankful for the boundaries that God's given to us. And, and the, to me, the heart of a man like Nehemiah was one that was bent on restoring and bringing back the, uh, the, 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 the boundary that should be there, the wall that should be there. The wall symbolized more than just bricks and mortar. The wall symbolized the stability of, of the kingdom of God. It, 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 it symbolized the, uh, you know, the respect or the, uh, the, the absoluteness of God's word, if you like. Here's a line. When somebody's going to build a wall, they're going to run a line first. They're going to identify where that is. And God, in His mercy, has done that for us and for His people all through time. Here's the line. And I want you to follow this. I want you to stand on one side or the other. Because the line is my, my expression of my heart. The line is an expression of where I want my people to be. And when we, when we realize that God draws a line not to limit us, but rather to protect us, Lines become a good thing. And when Nehemiah saw the walls in disarray, he realized, you know what? There's no, there's no, uh, there's no limitations, there's no lack of, uh, of mixing now between those that are outside the wall and those that are inside the wall. You can take both of these things down and mix them together because there's no separation anymore. The separation is unclear. Right? The separation is vague. And, and, and God's people, we're not interested in that. We're not interested in something that's vague. We want to have a clear-cut answer from God. Is this right? Is this not right? Is this what He wants me to do? Is this not what He doesn't want me to do? And I want to know. I want to know which side of the line I should be standing on. And you know what? If nothing else, now's the time when you need to know what side of the line you're standing on. Now's the time you need to make up your mind as to whether you're going to stand on God's side or not. And God has done to me a great job, a very, very, uh, very uh, perfect job in identifying where the lines run in this generation that we live in. In an age where everybody's rights are more important than anything else. In an age where everybody's got their own idea and their own opinion about things. And people have more money to do stuff with than they ever have. And people feel a less dependence on God than ever before. Let me tell you, the people of God, we feel like, we feel like Nehemiah himself. We feel like, Lord, let, let's, let's make sure the walls go back up. Let's not leave them down and leave it up to everybody's imagination. But let's put the walls back up and let's know for a surety where the line is. Is that all right? And this is the kind of fellow that Nehemiah was. And it's interesting that God would take an engineer, because engineers think differently. Engineers, I saw a t-shirt one time about an engineer, and it said, let's just simply start from here that I'm right and you're wrong. Because engineers have already got it figured out. You know, no matter what you're trying to do, they've already got it thought out. You want to try to fix your coffee maker? You want to try to repair your car? You want to try to build your basement, uh, build a basement in a house? You know, and the engineers already got it figured out. Because that's just the way engineers are. So here's Nehemiah. And, uh, uh, you know, God begins to deal with his heart. And he's got this desire to go. And he's, he's just praying about this. Matter of fact, 11 chapters out of the 13 in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah makes a statement like this. He said, and I prayed to the Lord my God, and I prayed to God, and I looked to God. Because what he did, he did uh, bathed in prayer and knew that he had to have the hand of God upon him in order to even get to the first place because he was going to go and ask the king to build a wall and have him pay for it. We've heard that before. 
Let's just take a, a, a quick trip here. Chapter 2 of verse, chapter 2, verse 7. The book of Nehemiah. Just very briefly here. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given to me, to the governor, sorry, beyond the, beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come unto Judah, and a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which, are, which are appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. These are the things that uh, Nehemiah, he was passionate about doing. Number one, he had a passion for this. It was not just a curiosity, but he had a passion. He, he was not afraid to ask the king for everything that he would have need of uh, in, in terms of the uh, rebuilding of the city. So he had that passion about him. And the second thing was, as I mentioned already, he had a, a prayer life about him as well because he wanted to have, uh, he wanted to have uh, the, the, the blessing of God. He wanted God to breathe upon everything that was done. And then thirdly, Nehemiah was not one who just sent an offering in the mail uh, and, and thought about everybody and said, hey, I'll send them a text and said to let them know I'm praying for him." Nehemiah actually went there himself and rolled up his sleeves and got into the struggle and got into the building process himself. And that's the way Nehemiah was. He had, a, he had a commitment to this. He had a passion to lead. He had a leadership by God, but he also had a personal involvement in the work himself. One of the worst things that you can feel in your life, and one of the best ways that you can miss out on the, on the purpose of God for your life, is to feel like that you're too small or too insignificant to really accomplish anything for God. A lot of things have been done by people who are not very big or not very famous or not very wealthy or not very powerful in this life. But they did some great things and moved worlds and affected kingdoms because they had a desire and they had a passion and they had a commitment to do things for God. I, I remember a story, uh, and I don't remember all the details of it, but the, the man whose name was Damien, who went to the little island off Hawaii, uh, where Ma- Ma- uh, Malachi, Malachi, it was the name of the island, something like that. And it was a beautiful little island that was off the coast of Hawaii. Of course, Hawaii is all coasts, but it was one of those coasts, and it was a beautiful little place. And uh, they, they had sent all the lepers to that island, and they all lived there. And uh, this, this uh, Damien, who was a Christian, he felt led to go and visit the lepers who were there. Uh, forgive me if I'm not telling all the details of the story right. Uh, but, but he went and he ministered and he fed the, the lepers and he cared for their wounds. And, uh, you know, he spent years among them. And, and, he, and he got to know them and got to love them. They even sent a replacement for him. And he said, no, I think I'll stay. I think I'd like to stay. And, and it showed to the people that they had a, uh, they had somebody who loved them. And, and they, you know, they grew together. This was like Nehemiah. He, you know, he went among the people and he was not just aloof, but he went among them and he actually, uh, you know, spent time with them and helped in the cause. And, and this Damien did exactly the same thing, this brother Damien. And, and, and he showed great compassion for the lepers when no one else, they, want, they didn't want to have the lepers around. They put them on this island to separate uh, them from the rest of the population. Not only for the infection part, but there's a lot of people who don't want to be bothered by the infirmities of others. And so Damien went out there and uh, he, he lived on that island with the people. And then one day he was making himself a cup of tea, hot tea, which is the only way you really should make it. And as he was stirring, some of it sloshed out and fell on his foot and it didn't bother him. He was, all of a sudden he was struck by the fact that it didn't burn him. It did, he couldn't feel it. 
boiling water on a bare toe, you're going to feel it. And he was so shocked by that, he did it again. He took boiling water, a spoonful, and poured it on his foot again, and it didn't bother him. And he realized then he had contracted leprosy himself. And he had always gone to the people when they had devotions in the morning. He'd always gone to the people and he said, he said, welcome all of you fellow believers. That was his line that he used with the, with the people. And that one morning he came out and he said, and welcome to all of you fellow lepers. And the people looked at him and they were all just shocked. And now he had contracted the disease by having his hands upon the people and how he cared for them. And when he died of leprosy, this is just one single man. He was not well known. Nobody, nobody knew about him during his time except for the lepers there. And when he died, the Belgian government, because he was Belgian, when, when, they, when they found out that he died, they wanted to extract him and take him from the island and bring him back to Belgium to bury him. And the people in Malachi said, no, no, we want to keep him here. And so they started this war back and forth, you know, this, this argument back and forth. And uh, they, they, uh, the Belgian government finally won, and he said, no, we're going to take him back, and uh, we're going to bury him in Belgium because they looked at him now as kind of a hero after the fact, and they wanted to bury him there. The people in Malachi said, well, listen, if you're going to take him, can we have his right hand? And they said, are you serious? And they said, Remove his right hand and leave it here and we'll bury it here because that's the hand that touched us over all these years. That's the hand he laid on us. That's the hand he used to give us food and medicines and everything else. She said, they said, can you leave his right hand? And they did. And today they have a memorial in the island of Molokai where uh, they, they dedicated to Damien, because that's what the people remembered. That's what the people were affected by, the touch of somebody who cared for them. Not just somebody who from afar off did something, but somebody who actually came and laid their hands on them and, and ministered to them and cared for their needs. You should never think, young people, you should think, never think, well, you know, I'm just young and I don't have a lot of experience and I'm not able to do a whole lot of things and so forth. You should never think, even some of you that are maybe locked into a career path or whatever else and you have a way of living and a way of life, you should never think that, uh, you know, God's, God's, not gonna, God's not ever going to use me because I'm small and I'm insignificant and I'm unknown. Let me tell you, that's not how it works. That's not the way that God thinks. The way that God thinks is that whatever you give him, he will use it. He will use it. If you surrender your heart to him, he will use it. If, he's, if you surrender your hands to him, he'll use it. If you surrender everything you have to him, let me tell you, God will use you for his glory because he needs people to operate in this world. And my goodness, we need to have good people out there on the field. Now, in, in chapter 2 here, when we find this little passage here, it, 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 it talks about how that Nehemiah exercised that passion. If you don't mind, just go ahead and flip over to chapter 4. <clears throat> Forgive me here for my voice, but in chapter 4, verse 6, it says, So built we the wall, and the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. And it says, but it came to pass that when Sanballat, the Arabian, and all the rest of the opposers came there, whenever 
there is a work for God that's going on. Whenever there's a commitment on behalf of the people, let me tell you, there's always opposition. Isn't that right? But that does not stop the purpose of God. That does not stop the commitment on behalf of the people of God. They had a mind to work. So no matter what the opposition was, and no matter what, how people, uh, you know, they may have looked at them, or they may have said certain things, or they may have derided them a certain way, it didn't matter to Nehemiah and his group. He had instilled in them a real desire to accomplish this task because it was going to reap benefits for them. Skip down, if you don't mind, to verse 11 of the same chapter there. And our adversary said, And they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them, because the work, and cause the work to cease. Let me read that part again. They shall not know, neither, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. This work is going to stop. That was their commitment. That was their desire, is that this work is going to stop. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what, what, what people like this say. It doesn't matter what opposers will say. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. Somebody say amen. It mattered to Nehemiah and to the people what God said, that this work is not going to stop. It is a work that God has inspired. It's a work that God has allowed. And you know what? God's got to have a purpose in it. So the outcome is going to be up to God. And the people just did their part, but the outcome is up to God. It's kind of like parenting, right? You do what you can, you do your very best because God's given you these children. The outcome is really in the hands of God. But the enemy is not shy to come along and try to oppose the good work that you're doing. But the people had a mind to work, and believers have a mind to work. Now, in chapter 7 of this, just before we get into 8 here, in chapter 7, it simply says, that now it came to pass when the wall was built and I had set up the doors and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed, we all went on vacation. It doesn't say that. But now here's Nehemiah. He's got, he's got the physical walls built. Well, you know what? That's really only the first part. Right? That's really only the first stage of this thing. Because now we have security. Now we have boundaries. Now we have a clear word, if you like, whereby we can, we can worship. This is where we live, is inside the walls. Right? Come on, folks. God has, God has restored the gospel in this last day. God's restored the word in this last day and, and brought it back to us again. Uh, you know what? Now we know where we're supposed to live. Now we know what we're supposed to do with our, with our money and with our hair and with our church attendance and all the rest of it. And, uh, you know, we're not the kind of people that live outside the walls and come in whenever we want to or when it feels good. I don't need to have a pastor, and I don't need to pay tithes, and I don't need to have this or that. And you know what? You're like a person who's living outside the walls and comes in whenever you want to. I, you know what? I mean, that might sound logical, but I just can't find it in the Scripture. And I can't find it in the message anywhere. God establishes His boundaries so that we can learn to live within them. Even when you don't agree with them, they're God's walls. And you know what? You're better off not shaking your fist at God and here you say, Brother Barry, you often use that phrase, I'd never shake my fist at God. When you take any of God's words and you put it back to God and say, thank you, I'll do it my way, you're shaking your fist at God. You're telling God, hey, thanks, I don't need it, I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to take care of this. Let me tell you something, I would not want to be doing that. Knowingly, I wouldn't want to be doing that to throw things back at God. Because His ways are higher than our ways, and His ways are better than our ways. Isn't that right? Pull out your phone and text an amen if you're reluctant to amen me here. But now Nehemiah sets in motion to put things in order. 
That it's not good enough that we have church, but now we need to put this in order. It's not good enough that we just have people and a, and a, uh, you know, a temple, but now let's, let's, let's set this back in order the way that it should be. And so the, the, the porters and the singers and the Levites, they were appointed there. So I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. So on the civil side and on the spiritual side, in the temple and in city hall, Nehemiah was able to position men in there who feared God and loved God and had things in order. Because God is a God of order. God is not one who does things haphazardly. How many can say amen? And I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun be hot. And he goes on all the way down through there and, and describes how things should be done. You, you notice if you've read the book of Nehemiah, and I hope you have, it's a book of lists, it's a book of details, it's a book of people, it's a book of numbers. It, it's, it's, uh, you know why? Listen, you've got to give God a break. He had a, certain, he had a certain day when he made engineers, all right? And engineers, they like to list things, they like to draw things out, they like to... You know, put things in a pile, and I mean that's just the way they are. So I mean, this you got to blame this on God and engineers because this is the way they are. Uh, but nonetheless, this is the idea that uh, they they uh, they wanted to have. Uh, Nehemiah knew that God would want to have things done in a certain order. I love God's order. We find that carry all the way down through chapter 7 until we come to 8. Let's go back to 8 again, if you don't mind. All the people gathered together. So now we have a semblance of structure. The structure is not just in the physical walls, but the structure is also in the arrangement of things within the city. So we have a mayor, a man who fears God. Fears God above any, is what it says. And we have people who are in positions there, not only to be at the doors and to be at the uh, the place of worship, but also because the temple was not restored here yet back there. That temple restoration would go on for a number of years after this. This is the temple that Jesus walked into and is not constructed yet because this is Solomon's temple still in ruins. It's interesting because you can go there today and still see in Jerusalem on the edge of the temple and the temple compound, you can still see some of the stones that were turned over in the, in the various uh, destructions that took place. Uh, there. It's, it's just amazing because they left the great piles of stones there where they fell. Now, it makes sense if you saw the stones because these are not stones that you say, all right, Brother Andy, get on one end and I'll get on the other end and we'll lift this up. And these are absolutely huge stones that were carved out by the, uh, the carvers and the, all, all the millers down who lived in Solomon's time. And they sailed them up on great ships up the rivers and brought them uh, into Jerusalem on carts. And so now this temple is laying in, in, in ruins. The point is, is that Nehemiah sets things back in order, and there are people there who are going to run the service. There are people there that are uh, assembled to do the jobs they're assigned to do. And you know what? I believe that the success of this whole thing, this whole venture, it hinged upon the success of the people acting as one. I don't think that's a light thing. And forgive me this morning if I'm being a little on the lighter side here to say, I mean, I'm not being complicated. I know that. <clears throat> I'd just like to say this to you this morning. I know I often apologize for talking simply about things. But a, a few years ago, my wife and I, went, we went to Norway. And uh, we've, we've gone to Norway many, many times. And there was a sister who came and sat. She pull, pulled her lunch up and sat with us at lunch because we would worship and They'd have fellowship and food in the same place. And so she just pulled her plate up beside of us. And she said, 
I've wanted to have an opportunity to say this to you for a long time, but she said, when I was a teenager, a young girl, she said, I was coming to church here, and she said, you would come to minister, and I remember you coming, and you'd tell your stories, and you'd tell, give all the illustrations and things, and she said, you made the gospel realistic and understandable for me. And she said, today I believe I'm still a Christian, and I'm raising my family to serve God because of the way you said things back in those early years, my formative years. You say, Brother Barry, you're patting yourself on the back. No, no. I, I, I just like to say this, that, you know, we never know, we never know where people are. And we never know who's listening. And to me, we have this intergenerational responsibility to, to teach every generation. And you know what? God's given, us, God's given us not only a message that we all have access to and we can all learn from, but also God's given us a fivefold ministry as well that helps to supply all the parts that we have need of. So it's always not so simple. And, you know, I mean, there's, there are things that are a little more weighty in the Scripture that I like to talk about and I love to get into. But there are times when, you know, it calls for simple illustrations and uh, simple speaking about things so that we all get it. Because there's nothing worth... I've found this to be true. We'll never go and apply what we don't understand. In order to apply it in my life, I've got to understand it first. I've got to be able to repeat it to somebody. And somebody says, why do you, why do you cut your hair like you do? Well, I've got to be able to understand that in order to effectively tell somebody else. Right? And I've got to have a scripture. I've got to have a basis for that. So I've got to go back and I've got to say, here's the reason why. This is why I do the things that I do. And, and sometimes those things are illustrated very well simply so that we can always be able to pull them out of our pocket and say, hey, it's not complicated. Here's the way it works. Here's, the, here's what God said. Here's what the Word teaches. And, and this is how we live our life. Because as, as, I'm, as I'm telling you here that in the book of Nehemiah, it's not good enough just to have church. It's not good enough just to have walls. It's not good enough just to have structure. It's not even good enough to have people in place. There comes a point where you've got to take the word and apply it in your own life. And you've got to live it. And you've got to say, you know what? Hey, I, 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 I want to do my part on that wall. I want to, I want to get my sword in my hand. I want to get my, uh, my, my place where I can build for this kingdom as well. And that's what we're always doing is trying to stimulate people to, to build, to pick up their sword and pick up their trowel and go and, and, and uh, contribute. Because, yeah, I mean, that's what God's looking for. God needs you to do a lot of the things that need to be done. On this earth. All right, let's look in chapter 8 here. Because the, the, the point of this whole thing this morning is that when they, they got together and they gathered themselves together as one man in the unity of the Spirit. This happens rarely in history, but it, it is a great thing that, uh, you know, it's remarked here in the book of Nehemiah. And they came into the street near the water gate and they spoke to uh, Ezra and they said, bring us the book. Bring us the book. We want to have... We want to have the book because, after all, that's the reason we're here. That's the reason that we, are, we were in exile is because we disregarded the book. And we don't want to have that happen again to us. And we don't want to have that happen to our children and our grandchildren. We want to get it and we want to pass it on and we want to live it and we want to have God's blessing on our life. So bring the book because it's not in the declarations of the government and it's not in my own thinking and it's not on Google. It's in the book. So bring the book and open the book and read the book. If you don't give us anything else, give us the book. I, I, I very simply saying this morning, I, I think that's our heart's cry. I think that's the cry of the bride of Christ. That if we don't, you know what, if there's not another stimulus payment or there is not another church service in this building, Lord, give me the book. 
I've talked to people during this whole thing that have experienced personal revival. Revival in their own heart. Because they're able to just kind of take that time that they would have been traveling or working and, you know, being commuting and different things. And they took that time and used it wisely. And they invested in their own spiritual life. And they got something from their reading. And they got something from their services that they listened to. And they, they, they enjoyed that personal presence with God. And you know what? It comes not from our own discipline. It comes not from... Listen, folks. You can have a revival on your own. It's nicer when you're in a room full of people who are also in revival. But I will tell you something. You can be blessed yourself when you turn to the book. And this is what they asked Nehemiah. This is what they asked Ezra. And they said, give us the book. And Ezra, the the priest, brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day. Of the week. Sorry, my reading is funny. I've got all this chapter marked up here pretty thoroughly, so I've got to read through all the different, different markings that are there. And it says in verse 3, And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate. And from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. They didn't fall asleep in that, in that particular service. They, they, they wanted to hear. They wanted to know. They wanted to understand. And Ezra stood upon a pulpit of wood, and he, and he stood, the scribe, and he stood upon that pulpit and where they had made for that purpose. And beside him stood all these different ministers there. And five, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people. And when he opened it, the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen and Amen. They lifted up their hands and they bowed their heads and they worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. In, in other words, you know, you, you got you to hand it to these folks. They got into it, right? And they, they, when they heard the word of the Lord and, and Ezra pronounced a blessing on them, they responded to that. They all, they all came to their feet and they said, thank God. You know, I mean, these, we are the generation that God has restored. We are the generation that God's brought back. We are the generation that have an understanding of the book again. Because, uh, you know, for the last 70 years we've been trying to not understand what the Babylonians have been shoving down our throat. They've been trying to educate our children. They've been trying to educate us. They've been trying to influence us according to their culture. They've been trying to do all kinds of things that have been contrary to the book. And we've had a a long spell of just resisting the culture and resisting the culture. And when they had now the book open and somebody could stand there and read it with freedom and not have to hide the book, not have to feel like they were going to be trapped and put in prison if they were reading the book. But now they had the freedom to enjoy it. And they had brothers and sisters of like precious faith all around. Ah, my goodness, they were happy. They came to their feet and they said, oh, praise God, we're so grateful for that. Am I being too simple today in saying that? I, I kind of relate to these people here because, you know, we, 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 we live in a world where the culture is always trying to force their idea and their lack of God down our throat. They're always trying to grab for our children. The moment you leave your children alone on the Internet, and the moment you leave them alone uh, with, with associates that are outside the body of Christ, let me tell you, there's an influence that's right there. And we're constantly pushing back against a culture that is, at best, heathen. At best. <clears throat> and for us to be able to come together now in this place, hey, I'm thankful we were able to do it in our own, in the, in the solitary confinement of our own living room. I'm thankful for that. Because, you know, we were able to stay connected. And our biggest, our biggest cross to bear was the speed of the Internet, right? What a captivity that is. When Netflix is not interrupted, not one bit. Might be a little, might be a little more buffering than normal, but not one bit. 
But I'll tell you something, it's a nice thing when we can come together in one place, in one accord, and we can feed off the enthusiasm of one another, and we can sing together, and you can see your brothers and sisters in like precious faith, and your, uh, your kids, all of a sudden it dawns on them, we are not alone. We haven't been jettisoned to another planet and living alone here. We are connected to other people as well. And it's nice to be reminded of that. It's nice to come together. And this is really only a foretaste of glory divine when one day we will be gathered together over on the other side and we'll have endless fellowship there and uninterrupted association with the people of God. I think it'll be a wonderful thing. And that's just a part of us. We're wired that way. We're wired to fellowship. We're wired to embrace one another and to be able to enjoy one another's company. That's the way we are. Just like your body is wired together in its own way, we are wired together as a people of God to be able to enjoy this. But let me tell you, the common bond that all of us have is the book. The common bond, the thing that unites us, the thing that identifies us, is the book. And so the people in verse 8, they read the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha. And that means the, the elder, if you like, or the authority here. And Ezra, the priest, the scribe, the Levites that taught the people. Unto all the people this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. This was their response. It just touched their heart so much. And they had the freedom to be able to enjoy it. And they had restored, in a sense, the dignity to the commandments of God as they restored the walls. Because to a Jew, the walls represented God's word and the strength of it. And so they were, they were just enjoying the moment, if you like. They're just enjoying the presence of God there with them. And so they all responded this way. And in verse 10 it says, And he said unto them, Go your way and eat, eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the, our Lord. And neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This day is holy unto the Lord. For them, for them to say that, and remember, that's a reversal of the whole mindset that got them into captivity in the first place. They disregarded the day of the Lord. They disregarded the sanctity of the Sabbath that God had hallowed among them. And you remember later on in chapter 13, which I said a couple of weeks ago, that was the problem that uh, you know, Nehemiah encountered when they came back that the influence of the world became pretty strong, even among these people who are right here in chapter 8. All right? The people in chapter 8 are rejoicing and weeping over the hearing of the word. But you've got to remember, there's a culture around them that doesn't share their respect. There's a culture around them that doesn't share their passion for the, world, for the word. It's interested only in money, and it's interested only in their influence, and it's interested only in, in, in propagating this kingdom. But these are the people who they have the right heart and they got the right response. And God honors this. And, and God blesses them for this. And, and, and all the other good things that happen to the people is because they have the right response to the open book and the hearing of the word. When you respond right and when you listen right and, and when, you, when you hear the right declaration and it causes the right response, let me tell you, God's going to honor that. God's going to bless that. Because the right declaration is going to bring the right kind of joy into your life. And so this, this declaration that they're making here, uh, he says, the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites still all the people and said, hold your peace for the day is, is holy and neither be ye grieved. 
And all the people went their way to eat, drink, and send out portions, and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Our joy, saints of God, is in understanding. Our joy is in understanding the Word of God. When the book is open, when the open book comes to us, the joy comes when we can understand what the book actually says. We can understand exactly what God requires. We can understand what God, uh, you know, desires for us and for His people. It's exactly what it is that, that brings joy in our life. Now, let me just, let me just conclude, and I, I want to just give you a couple of quick statements here, if you don't mind. That we, we find up here in the last day. Here's Brother Bram, and I just want you to watch a little progression in his teaching here. After this, he said, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the same voice that was walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, that same voice that John heard in heaven. How many know that John is represent, represents the bride of Christ? Right? So John is looking in the candlesticks here, and then he hears the voice come up hither. And John went up, represented a church going in the rapture. All right? So John is the representative of that. He went in the spirit, was took away in the heaven, foresaw all the things that God promised that he said to his disciples, that God said to his disciples. Now, just follow me now just for a few minutes here. A compass, he said, in the absolute, it is magnetized to that north pole. And when we're in trouble and we're trusting Christ, there's only one thing that's sure. The Holy Spirit will point us to the word that will guide us to the north star and to deliver of everything that we have need of. When you're in trouble... In, in easy times, when you can sit down peacefully and you come to church every, every service and everything be normal, hey, it's not, not a problem. You don't need a whole lot of guidance then. It's when the picture gets interrupted. It's when things go upside down. That's when you need to have, a, have an absolute that works, right? It's then that you need to have uh, guidance. And you've got to be able to figure out. You know, I was, I was uh, talking to our, my grandchildren. We were talking about swimming. And I said, one of these days we're going to have a little practice where I'm going to flip you into the water and tumble you head over heels into the water that's over your head. And they were looking at me. We thought you loved us. We thought you loved us. But I told them my whole point is that I want you to be able to get your bearings in the water when you're upside down. And you got water in your face and water in your nose and water in your eyes and and everything else. And you, you feel like you're completely out of control. The only way you're going to be safe in a time like that is to get your bearings and come back out, come back up to the surface and so on. Now, I know how to do this, all right? Some of you mothers look at me and say, I, I thought he was a pastor. <laughs> Trust me, I know how to do this, and I know how to get kids to, to figure this out. It's not in the easy times that an absolute becomes so vital or so precious. It's when things are upside down. That's when you need to get your bearings, right? It's when you're in the storm and you know you're being blown off course or the wind would try to blow you off course. That's when you need to have your absolute to come back online again. That's exactly right. But now, here's Brother Branham now, and he's preaching on this absolute and several times, 61, 62, 63, he's coming into here. And in 1962, all of these dreams are happening around him. People, people who are, he trusts people, he knows Junior Jackson, different ones. They're coming to him with different dreams, and God is speaking to him. And, and Junior Jackson has this dream, and he tells it in detail that I've not included in here. But he says, Brother Branham, you were up on top of the mountain. There was brothers there. And he said, you took a crowbar-like uh, tool and you wedged off the top of the mountain. And there was a stone there. And he says, there was writing on that stone. And he says, now, uh, you, you ripped the top of that off there in the shape of a pyramid. And you told the brothers to look upon this 
And don't take your eyes off this one. Look on this. And Brother Branham goes off west, right, across the horizon. Brother Branham said, now that was months and months before the pyramid message was ever preached. And said, beneath, beneath that stone was granite. And it, you said the sun and the light has never shined on this before. And look on this and watch this. Brother Branham cautioned those brothers to do that. He tells it again here, and this day the scripture is fulfilled. And, and Junior Jackson said, I had a dream, and I stood there, and the Holy Spirit, uh, I stood there and waited until the Holy Spirit revealed it. He said, the entire Bible, as much as been revealed to man through justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, baptism in Jesus' name, and all those things has been revealed. So incrementally, word on top of word, God has revealed things to the bride as they moved along, following the sun, moving up the pyramid. Everybody with me? Haul your phone out if you need to there. Here's Brother Ma'am telling us that all this has been, been going on age after age until we get to the very top. When we get to the very top, all of a sudden we realize this is not a pyramid anymore. It's a person. It's Christ. And you know who's at the top of the pyramid? It's only the bride and Christ on the top of this pyramid. And Brother Ma'am said now, he said, he, he said uh, uh, when, when, this, when this comes up, through, all these revelations are given out. But there's secrets that's hidden inside there because the Bible is sealed with seven seals. And I must go there to find it. So there's still more to be had. Here's Brother Manor now. This is 1965, right? But he's recounting what he's experienced. He's recalling what went on. And he said, I, I, I looked in there and he said there were secrets. I knew there were things that were still hidden. They were still bound. The book was still closed. And I couldn't understand what that was. And he said, but I must go there to find it. Must go there. And you told us, Junior Jackson saying, you told us, look upon this. And we all started looking. And I turned my head and I noticed you going towards the west, just as hard as you could, towards the setting of the sun. And that morning when those seven angels come down and blasted the earth, rocks flew every way, returned to Jeffersonville from where you come from. And the seven seals of the seven mysteries are going to be opened. So in other words, Brother Branham realizes, i got to have the book, but not just the book. i got to have the open book in order to understand the mysteries that are found at the end of this Gentile dispensation here. The things that are all been sealed up and hidden for all the ages from every other generation. But now they're, they're available. And he says, i got to look on that. i got to see that. And here's God now without anybody else on earth knowing about it. God takes one man and reveals things to him. And says, go down here to Jeffersonville, stand right here, and get ready. Because whether you realize it or not, I'm going to come right in through the window and give you the revelation of who the first seal, first rider was. And the second rider, and the third rider, and the fourth rider. And with that, all of the, all of the bands came off the book of Revelation. The whole thing becomes a new book to him. Right? And, and, and he begins to preach those mysteries that are found in the, in the seals there. And, and uh, Brother Branham begins to preach that and minister that. And he's all excited and caught up into another dimension because now this is way higher than what they've had incrementally through the ages. I thank God for what they got through the ages. Because that's all a part of the, of the pyramid, right? It's all part of the building process. It's all the portion that they had to have in that day. Are, are we Okay. I mean, we needed to have justification, folks, and we needed to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All of those different parts had to come in there. The foundation had to be sure. All of those things had to be there. But Brother Bram's at the top of this thing, and he realizes when he looks at this, the top of the mountain there, there's more. This is not just a particular singular doctrine here, but there's more. There's more for us to know. There's more for us to, be, to have and enjoy here. This is the entire revelation of the whole thing. Again, 1965, and the Lord said, 
he did nothing in his unchanging word until he shows it to his prophets. And in the end time, those seven seals that his Bible has sealed up, sevenfold mysteries of all of Christ, has to be revealed first, and it can only be brought to a prophet. Aha, well, that makes sense. That makes scriptural sense, right? It's got to come to a prophet first. We've been looking for that for years, and we believe that his spirit is among us now, so we find. Let me tell you something. You know what happened back here in the book of Nehemiah? I wish I had a loud voice to be able to say it loud. But as the people heard the words of the book, it says in verse uh, in verse 7 of the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8 there, it says that Nehemiah caused the Levites to go down among the people and make sure they had an understanding of the Word of God. And, and, and everybody who was not clear about what that meant and what this meant, what something else, they, they, had, they had Levites who moved among them and helped them to have the understanding of the book so that everybody together, all the congregation, they could all come to an understanding of what was being read to them and they all rejoiced together. Because God didn't want to have some people way up ahead of the, the pack and some people down here and some people over here and some people left out, some people frustrated. That's not God's way. He wanted everybody to understand so that everybody could, could be blessed and everybody could have the benefit of understanding what's being read. Brother Bram's telling us the same thing. God's got a pattern. And in this last day, here's God with, with, with things that have never been understood, things that have never been ministered because they've been hidden behind seals. And he takes that tool symbolically and he rips the top off the mountain there and he says, hey, I've got to go. And he goes off in the distance here. It's God's consistency with the scripture that the word of the Lord comes to a prophet. But that prophet becomes a channel whereby he ministers a word that's left with us. And God, by His grace, He allowed it all to be recorded and all to be captured so that we can even still listen to it today and we can put it on the screen today and we can read it. My goodness, this is exactly what He said years ago. And we all have access to it and we have the Holy Spirit to bring the revelation of it. It's in the declaration. The declaration is what God uses to make sure everybody hears. But the Holy Spirit is the one that brings the revelation of it, right? And the revelation of the right thing, the revelation of the right declaration, brings a joy and a peace to your heart that nothing else will bring. Even when you're upside down, even when things don't make sense, and even when the world's falling apart, and it is, none of us need to be convinced of that. Let me tell you what God has allowed in this last day. What God has allowed uh, for us to have is a true understanding of a true word that was reserved for the last day that no other age had access to. And now, here, here we are, enjoying that. And, and you know what God has done? God has waited till everybody's on the same page. God has waited till everybody's, all the bride is all under that same anointing and under that same uh, understanding of the Word of God in the last day. And we're all unique individuals and we're all in different churches, different cultures, and all the rest of it here. But let me tell you something. The bride is united by one thing, one thing only, and that's that open book. The message of this hour. That's the thing that's a common bond among all of us. That's why, hey, I've told people before when it comes to printing books and where, you know, the books being delivered in all different kinds of countries, you know, they're, they're catching up with all the delivery stuff there. I, I, I've told people before, they say, well, will you print the seals for us or will you print uh, Daniel 70 weeks for us? I always tell them, I'll print the message. I'll print the message. I'll print. I, there's no need for us to print Bibles because other people are printing Bibles and they do it much better and cheaper than I could. But I'll print the message. Anything that's the message in any language, I'll print it. 
And so whatever, whatever it is that helps build rapturing faith, that helps build faith in the people, I'll do it because people need to have it in their own language. And whatever we can do to get among the people and help them to have an understanding of the Word of God, that is of God. And that's what they did back in the days of Nehemiah. They got in among the people and made sure that they had what they had need of to know what was being read. Because if you don't know what's being read and you don't understand it, you'll never go home and apply it. And God in this last day has taken the greatest message that ever struck the face of the earth and brought it to us in a way that's understandable. And He's keep, He's still breaking it down. He's still making it understandable. He's still giving us illumination on the book. Isn't that right? He's still giving us teaching. He's still giving us exposition. He's still giving us, uh, you know, the admonition in the Word of God so that we can understand it and that we can enjoy it so everybody can rejoice together. But let me tell you, this is not just about rejoicing so all of us can have our bodies changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And when that Holy Spirit is here, which is Christ in spirit form, and that anointing was upon Him as upon the church, we all, I'd like to have all the we all put your hand up. And that anointing was upon him, is upon the church. We all, that's us, right? That's the we he's talking about. And now it's just kept coming down from justification, sanctification all the way down. And he says to the gifts to the top of it. It's coming in the minority all the time. It's together now. And there's a church now, a bride. Come out of that church. That bride has one cry. Give us the book. The book is the thing that found us. The book is the thing that reveals to us. The book is the thing that teaches us. The book has everything that we have need of. Give me that book. Give me that book. And let me tell you something. The bride of Christ, they want to sit under a ministry that gives them the open book all the time. Because they're not interested in in my idea, my kingdom, and my, uh, my thoughts about things. Give me the book. That's what we want to have. Give me the book. Don't give me your complexes. Don't give me your, uh, you know, your, your uh, whatever else. Give me, give, me your, give me the book. If I don't get the book here, I'll go somewhere else because I've got to have the book because everything lays in the book. And Brother Bam t- teaches us very clearly the seals is Christ. Let's stand. So, Lord, give me your presence. Give me your personal presence that I can, I can enjoy my time with you, Lord, and And listen, Nehemiah said, all right, we're not going until everybody's got this understanding. And when we go, we're going to take a little piece of goodness with us. And he gave them all a piece of meat and a little bag and a little, you know, a gift card for, uh, for whatever to go to, go to Chick-fil-A. And and everybody had something when they all left and they were, they were all happy. You know what? But they all had an understanding. They all had an understanding. And they, they, they could sing, I'm one of them. I'm, I'm a part of this. I'm not left out. God made it possible that I'm not left out. I'm a part of this. What a great thing that is. It's, it's easy to feel a part of it when you're able to come to church and when you're able to you know, participate and nothing hinders you. But all of a sudden we get a hindrance. Let me tell you something. You're, you, kinda, you begin to pray differently. You begin to think differently about things. You begin to value certain things differently, right? And we begin to talk. Our language changes a little bit, you know. And, Lord, I, we, we just want to reach out. We just want to, we want to, you know, be a part. All of those things are very real to us. We go through seasons like we're going through. And I, I, personally, I don't think it's over. I, I think, I mean, I hear Brother Bram say all the time, the world's falling apart. I never heard him say, but it will come together. I never heard that. 
world's falling apart. You know what's going to shake loose the bride? The bride's going to go to another place. So, I, I mean, I don't know if, if this is that. But if, if this is not that, this is meant to get us accustomed to knowing what that's going to look like. But these days, yeah, I mean, should I go downtown? Should I not? Should I do this? Should I not? You know, I mean, there are, there are dangers that are there. We live in dark times. And that's just the way it is. If, if we didn't have an understanding of the book, your, your life would be lived a different way. Your conduct would be different. But because we have an open book given to us, it's such a great and perfect understanding of the book. Fear, fear dissolves. Fear tends to dissolve. I mean, hey, I, I, I know who holds the future. I, I'm just trusting him all the way. And that's where it is. Savior Oh blessing, Lord, to be in your presence again, Lord, to be able to see one another, and Lord, to be able to worship and fellowship together, Lord. But Father God, our common bond is something even stronger than our personal presence. The common bond we have, Lord, is the open book that you've, you've given to us. In, in the days of Nehemiah, Lord, that was the goal, that, was that the people would come back to the book, they would come back to, to what the book said. They would begin to live the way that the book described. And they could live it in the place that God had chosen. And, and there was, a, there was a, a season, Lord, when they heard the word of God had just moved them and struck them in their hearts. And they were just so touched by that. And, and Lord, they, they understood what, what real joy and what real peace and what real communion actually meant. And the joy of the Lord is their strength. Father God, we believe the same thing, that in this last day you've given us a great understanding of what the book actually said. Lord, that we might live it, that we might believe it, that we might embrace it, and we might walk in it, and we might enjoy it, and it might bring joy to our hearts in a world that's being robbed of joy every day. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and thank you for one another. Have your way, we pray. And Lord, we ask and, and pray now for uh, Eliza, Lord, who desires to walk in baptism. And Lord, may you just give her uh, newness of life, and Lord, just cause a real change in her and, Lord, she might walk as a real Christian sister. I just pray that you would meet her, Lord. And Father, I just pray for those that are not here and ask, Lord, that you would bless them. Those that are, Lord, spread out different places. And we think of Sister Tracy Rabin, Lord, and her, uh, her family. And, Lord, spending years as a caregiver to her parents. And now, Lord, we hold her up in prayer before you and ask that you would give strength to her. Lord, we just ask now that you would just bless this day and all that is to be done, Lord. 
We just pray that you would just be honored in our lives. And Lord, may we just continually just rejoice over the things that you've revealed to us. We are a privileged people. May we never take it for granted. We love you and we thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Let's sing that little chorus, Come Away, My Child. Uh, we're going to let Brother Jaron sing for a little while and worship, and we're going to get ready. Uh, Eliza and her family would like to come, and anybody else who would want to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, now is your chance to do that. God bless you. Thank you for coming today, and we'll see you, Lord willing, on Wednesday night. Come away. There's a table dressed with linen, a banquet is prepared, a host of angels gather for the celebration there, the bride is almost ready in spotless white array, a hush falls over heaven. As the groom begins to say, sing it now. Come away, my love. Come away, my love. I have waited for this day when I could give you no new name. us come away my love I have loved you from creation long before you came to be I carried that love with me all the way to Calvary and though it wasn't over I prove my love will never die. I rose again for you. Come away, my love. Come away, my love. I have waited for this day. Come away, my love. Sing it again now. Come
sing another song, key of G, day star. Lily of, lily of the valley, let your sweet aroma fill my life. Rose of share and show me how to grow in beauty in God's sight. of ten thousand make me a reflection of your life day stars shine down on me let your love shine through me in the night
Such a beautiful sight, amen. See a little one coming to God's kingdom, amen. I believe the angels of God are rejoicing in heaven, amen, when just one soul comes into his kingdom. Hallelujah. Let's sing the little song, The Heart of Worship. Key of F, I think. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's a word That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within to the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. And I'm coming back to the heart of the And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus King of endless words, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all 
All I have is your every single breath. And I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. And you search much deeper within to the way things appear. And you're looking into my heart. And I'm coming back to all about you it's all about you Jesus and I'm sorry Lord oh it's all about you it's all about you Jesus and I'm coming back to the heart of worship it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus, and I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made, it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus, there is none. Like you And no one else can touch my heart like you do I could search for all eternity, Lord And find there is none like you Let's just worship Him for a few minutes there is none like you. Oh, no one else can touch my heart like you do. And I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. Oh, when your eyes are on this child, your grace abides.
man be mindful of what the deacons gave instructions on. Those of you on the left side of the building can exit stage left. Those of you on the right can exit through this door. And those of you in the center, if you'll go out the back end, if you want to stay and worship for a little while, that's certainly all right. Amen. You're free to go as you please. Let's sing the song, We Fall Down. Key of C. We fall down and we lay our crown at the feet of Jesus. Greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. And we cry, holy, 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 we cry, holy, 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 we cry, holy. Holy, holy is the Lamb. We fall down and we lay our crown at the feet of Jesus. Greatness of Jesus. 